0: Welcome to Living Southern Oregon, a podcast dedicated to discovering and exploring all Southern Oregon has to offer. I'm your host, Simona Fino, and I will be introducing you to the people who live here, the things they love, and what makes Southern Oregon a magical place to call home. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Living Southern Oregon. Today I'm really excited to introduce you all to Alexi Lavecchio. Alexi is the Forest and Climate Coordinator with KS Wild and today she's going to speak to us about preparing your home and property for wildfire as we head into fire season here in Southern Oregon. She has spent many summers working for the U.S. Forest Service, identifying plants, and hiking around the Rocky Mountains. Alexi has a deep appreciation for the natural world and how our public lands are managed. She's lived here since 2019 and enjoys spending time outdoors, either hiking, biking, or skiing. (laughs) Perfect place to do all three. I know. That's why I love it here. (laughs) Welcome. Thanks. It's good to be here. Yeah. So tell me your journey. How would you get up to
1: live in Southern Oregon, what brought you here? So... And where were you before? <laughs> I, mean, I was coming from Montana, um, okay. and like I said, worked for the Forest Service, and that was seasonal. So I worked six months in the summer doing plant surveys, and then I would have the winters off. So I would either be going abroad or skiing somewhere in Montana. And then after like six years, I was kind of like, I'm ready to settle down. <laughs> I want to have a garden, I want to get a dog. And so my partner and I were like, what about Oregon? And I knew nothing about Oregon. I think I came here a couple of times and went to Bend, maybe, but never to the Rogue Valley. And then my partner got a job. And so I was like, I better start looking for work. And then just moved to Ashland out of the blue because my partner got a job. And then I I applied to a job with KS Wild. And then we landed here. And it was supposed to be like, I think this is going to be temporary. Like, we were just used to living seasonal. And then I fell in love with the place. I fell in love with my job. And then we stayed. And uh, so, yeah, come from Montana to Southern Oregon. And so his job was here. That's where he yes. got, it. okay. He was working in the Applegate uh, with the Forest Service, okay. identifying plants, continuing that seasonal work. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, it's a beautiful place to land. And, and we love plants. Like, I'm such a plant nerd, and there's such unique plants here. I am like, every time I go out into the woods, I'm finding new plants, and there's plants that are endemic, which means they're not found anywhere else. In the world, but here specifically in Southern Oregon, which is just the coolest thing to me as a plant nerd.
0: Yeah, that it's is so cool. cool. Okay, tell us about
1: one or two of your favorites. The California pitcher plant, also known as the cobra lily. Mm-hmm. It's a carnivorous plant that looks like a cobra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you find it in like wet bogs, so it constantly needs cold running water around. And um, yeah, it traps bugs mm-hmm. in its little like column. And then it has these enzymes that just like kind of kill the bug, and then it just leaches the nutrients into the plant. And that's only found around here in Northern California. Awesome! So you have to look oh, up a yeah. picture. It's really unique and I've really cool. I've seen them before, yeah. but I don't
0: know that I've seen one. I think I've seen a like in a nursery or something. Okay. In a yeah. Sh- it's like not and not in the wild. If <laughs> you ever go to like
1: the Illinois Valley, to Cape uh-huh. Junction area, there's a little. Um, boardwalk that you can go. It's like the $8 Mountain Boardwalk. And they're all oh, around okay. there. That's a good place to get easy mm-hmm. hike to get to. Yeah. All right. We're going to note that one so that mm-hmm. people can go check that one okay. out. $8 yep. Mountain
0: Boardwalk. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you landed here and you landed at KS Wild. Tell us... I'm so curious. What is, I know we're just laughing about this job title, right? Just because it's, it's never anything that appears on that high school list of, you could be a hairdresser or a real estate agent or a banker. It's like a forest and climate coordinator. But tell us a little bit about what you do.
1: Yeah, really, it could be anything, right? The forest and climate <laughs> coordinator. But um, I was hired with KS Wild to organize around the Northwest Forest Plan. And the Northwest Forest Plan is a land management plan that governs how our public lands are managed. So it's all of Western Washington, Western Oregon, Northern California. Like twenty-four million acres are managed under this plan. And what's the plan called again? The, North- the Northwest Forest Plan. The Northwest Forest Plan. Okay. And all of these plans are updated um, every ten fifteen years. So the plan was written in nineteen ninety-four. So we're a little bit behind on <laughs> revision on some of them. But I was hired to go into rural communities in the Illinois Valley and the Applegate Valley and just talk to community members and understand, like, what is your relationship with your public lands and what do you do on your public lands and do you have a relationship with the, the land managers there? Because these rural communities, are their backyards are public lands. And so I kind of just wanted to feel what the relationship was for people. So that's what I was hired to do, and that's kind of evolved into following what the Biden administration is doing around environmental plans. So there's this um, executive order he just put out about protecting mature and old-growth trees, and so I've been following that a little and kind of messaging to communities um, that, Our forests store a lot of carbon, and it's really important to save our oldest, biggest trees because they're storing vast amounts of carbon, um, which is ultimately helping us in the fight against climate change. Yeah. So federal land management policy stuff, but also the climate piece to it, like how our forests are really important for climates and climate change. Yeah.
0: And it sounds like it has obviously a big community piece of it because Mm -hmm. you're really diving into the community and seeing how communities... Utilize
1: lands and are involved
0: in what's
1: important to them. Absolutely. It's super interesting. I was talking to so many people and just listening to their livelihoods or how they ended up here and why they live rurally or, you know, wildfire came up all the time. That was like the one thing that was, no matter who I spoke to, they wanted to talk about wildfire. Yeah. And they wanted to talk about like, what is the Forest Service doing, or what is the Bureau of Land Management doing, or how are they managing the forest for fire, and what do we do around fires? Like, what can we do? You know, people, it's, people are scared. People have been yeah. around fires for, if you've lived here for, you know, 30 years, you've probably mm-hmm. been around for 10 big fires or more. Yeah. So people really wanted to talk to me about fire, and that kind of, yeah that's what started the toolkit, the Forest yeah. Fire toolkit.
0: So tell us about the toolkit. So this is something that I'm super excited about, Mm -hmm. especially as an agent, Mm -hmm. because I do sell a lot of rural properties Mm -hmm. and people need to know how to keep their home safe. And also just the the greater beyond their own yard and their own property, their own, Mm -hmm. you know, 5, 10, 20 acres, Mm -hmm. it's usually adjacent to other properties or even potentially BLM land. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's can be really nerve Mm wracking and, and the. Yeah, so tell us about the toolkit and kinda of how that came to be.
1: Yeah. So the Forest and Fire Toolkit came out of the conversations I was having with community members and I just kept hearing wildfire, what can I do? Who should I call if I have questions? And who are the the land managers that are behind my house? Like the the landscape is kind of segmented. There's like Forest Service and there's the BLM and there's private and then there's Oregon Department of Forestry, there's a lot of different land agencies up there. And especially when you get to like the Applegate, there's a lot of checkerboard land management. So people just even wanted a map! Like, show me who the land managers are, like, so so I know who to call. So, I took all that information in from hearing what I heard from community members, and I put it into the toolkit, and it pretty much lays out maps of different land managers in the region their contact information. If you have questions for the Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management, who you can call, you know, to try to get your questions answered. And then it lays out how, if you want to get involved in public land management, um, that process, because there's all sorts of processes with the government. Mm-hmm. So if you want your voice to be heard, I kind of laid that out in this toolkit. And then the big ticket item is preparing your, your house, yourself, your community for wildfire. And then funding resources for rural landowners, if they want to get fuels work done on their property, it's a lot of money. Yeah. And it's a lot of work. So I have a list of contractors in there that people can call, Excellent. depending on where you are. If you're in, this also extends into California. So if you're looking in California, those lists. And if you're living in Oregon, those lists. And then there's a whole bunch of resources on um, different funding opportunities. And those change yearly. But the, the funding resources I have in here are the ones that are pretty standard. Um And it kind of, i lay out how to apply for the funding because that's also a whole other.
0: I'm sure sure they don't make it real easy. They
1: don't. A lot of paperwork. A lot of paperwork.
0: Surprising. I'm shocked. Bureaucracy. So much bureaucracy. (laughs) But it's available. So people do have resources available if they Mm -hmm. need help with Mm -hmm. managing their land. So let's say if you have a 20-acre property Mm -hmm. and you need help and most of it's wooded, you can find resources to yeah. help. I okay. Give me an example. I'm sure.
1: There is a group, or it's a federal um, agency called the National Resource Conservation Service. NRCS is the acronym. And they have an Environmental Quality Incentive Program. And so what that is, you create like a forest plan for your property. You can be like, okay, I have 20 acres. And I love these big trees over here, and I like the pines, and I have this little, like, riparian area over here, and I want to keep this nice, but I'm really worried about my house and a tree falling on it, or when a fire comes, I want to make sure I thin some trees. And so you kind of lay out what you want, and then if it's within, you know, you have to follow some guidelines so you qualify for the grant, but it's very much um, you... You have a say in how you want your property to look. And then you just kind of stay in a set of requirements with this grant program. And they give you money to essentially thin your underbrush, all your shrubs and stuff. That's kind of like your ladder fuels that will kind of move the fire around. So you can kind of knock back some of those, that underbrush. And then also if you have a lot of trees and you want to thin some out, this grant will pay for that. And I think it's 75%. So you're paying 25%. It's a cost share, you, but you're still saving a ton of money. That's mm-hmm. a huge savings. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. And there's like a part of that that I think it's uh, two years There's a maintenance, like an upkeep, that will come back in two or three years just to, there's still money there to be like, oh, I see some trees are growing back or the shrubs are growing, and they'll come back and maintain that for you, which is also really great. Because that's something that you have to keep doing because yeah. vegetation grows back, trees encroach, so you kind of have to upkeep it.
0: Yeah. So, are they coordinating the actual work of it, the finding the people that come in to do that as well, or is that up to you to find? You, where can... do you find folks to do that. Right. <laughs> so, so you can find a contractor, and they okay. have a list. And like they can tell you,
1: like Oregon Department of Forestry has a whole list of, okay. of local contractors, and they'll and they'll guide you. Or you could have like I, I want actually I shouldn't say it. I don't know. I could you can probably do some of the work, um, and then you will just get reimbursed. But um, you can also get a contractor.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: And I'm mm-hmm. guessing a lot of people,
0: some people are comfortable doing some of that work, but probably totally. not, you know, yeah. once you start getting to trees, cutting big trees, yeah, yeah
1: that's yeah, yeah. you got to make sure you know what
0: you're doing there. Yeah. <laughs> so,
1: yep, yeah, they kind of lay it all out for you. They want, they want you to be successful and make it as easy as possible because yeah. they know it's a bureaucratic kind of nightmare, but yeah, they
0: help. But once them. you get through the bureaucracy. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's mm-hmm. good information. So that's going to be, it. that's in this toolkit. Yep. Um, and then tell us some of the other things that are in the toolkit. I know we've talked a little bit about the land part, mm-hmm. but also your home and up close to your home. I know there's a lot of different things that one can be doing.
1: Definitely. This is kind of my favorite part to talk about in the toolkit because it's these things that I'm going to lay out are like when you're done listening to this podcast, you can just go and do it. And it takes 15 minutes and you can feel better that you're doing something to prepare your home. You know, it gives you a little ease. To be ready for wildfire, there's two big things that you can do. It's maintaining a defensible space around your home and then hardening your home using fire-resistant building materials and landscaping materials. And I like to point out that fire professionals repeatedly state that the area within 100 feet of your home has the biggest influence on the chance of your house surviving a wildfire.
0: So, within a hundred feet, okay, mm-hmm.
1: and and the defensible space they kind of the fire specialist or whoever has come up with this concept has kind of put your house into two zones. You have zone one, which is from your house thirty feet out, all around your home, and zone two is from your house a hundred feet out. So not everyone's going to have a zone two; it just depends on your property size. Mm-hmm. But two zones. So defensible space. This is I have six. No-cost ways to create defensible space, and I lay it on the toolkit, and I can talk about a couple of them. Yeah. The first one, which is the one that I think I'll probably go home and do just to keep up with it because you have to maintain, is to regularly regularly clean your roof, gutter, deck, and the base of your walls of your house of, leaf, of leaves and needles and other flammable material. Just get all that out. Just make sure you have clean gutters, especially now in the summer when everything's getting dry. It's like the number one thing you can do to just you know, lessen that chance of your house catching fire. Get rid of the vegetation. And the other thing you can do is ensure that all combustible materials are removed from underneath and on top of your deck. So, Uh, you know, I have recycling right uh, on my back porch touching my house. Maybe if it's a red flag warning or it's like fire season and you're getting a little on edge, just remove the recycling from your house. Or like... Bring the cushions from your your patio furniture. Maybe remove those if it's a hot day or you're, like, hearing that the fire danger is a little higher. Just remove those and put them in the, the garage or something. You know, wood piles, if you have a wood-burning stove or mm-hmm. something, just don't want those on your deck or around your deck. So basically anything flammable on your deck. Mm-hmm. Which is hard. You know, I yeah. have, like, a grill. Yeah. And, you have a <laughs> gas Take Just, again, this is just, like, if it is... A particularly dry week and you, you're kind of on alert and you've been hearing from the fire department that okay you know fire season is here and we're a little worried maybe just like shut off your gas line of your of your grill just make yeah. sure the gas is off just do those little things to make sure you feel safe. Yeah.
0: That makes sense, mm-hmm. and I think too that when you're saying under the deck, I mean that's a place who who wants to go under there? No one goes under there frequently. So. <laughs> and there's a bunch of leaves, but there's under all there. this stuff
1: that gets blown yeah. under there. So mm-hmm. yeah, simply raking that out is going to be a, make a huge difference. Okay, um, and also what you can't so so then you rake it out. The next step would be to like maybe put a metal mesh screen, so then you never have to rake it again. Yeah. You just have a barrier from the from yeah. that material getting under there again. So that's kind of like further down the line, but is um, definitely something that you can do. Um, so those are some ways to create defensible space around your home. Another thing that I have in the toolkit is home hardening, which is essentially using fire-resistant materials on your, your home. Yeah. Um, because, you know, embers will seek any little opening that your house has and will kind of infiltrate, and then that's where the fire will start. So what you can do is you can block spaces between your roof covering. Mm, we'll, we'll get rid of that one.
0: That was <laughs> that a little
1: too, that was a little too um, wonky.
0: It can be done, but it sounds like it's a lot of work. Yeah. To get that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> a on a work. roof. And <laughs> yeah. But like covering, next time you have your roofer yeah. around and they're up there or you're getting anything done, that's the time you can to do these kinds of things. things. Yeah. And like, you know, just, just essentially making sure you're blocking and covering all vent openings on your house with some sort of metal screen. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can probably get these materials at the local hardware store and just get some sort of metal mesh. And you're just covering openings.
0: Um, which is a good idea for keeping out rats, which mm-hmm. are uh, prolific in our valley. Mm-hmm. So if, if you uh, want to keep rats from underneath your house and, and who doesn't. Does <laughs> yeah. Birds. Yeah, yeah, birds in birds. your soffits and mm-hmm. your roof. That's another one. Exactly. So
1: you Yeah. Know. <laughs> um, and just putting maybe some wet weather stripping where there's gaps in your doors or your garage door, just putting what which again is good just to insulate mm-hmm. your house, but also will keep embers from entering your house. So there's little things that you can do and you can tweak that are just you know, you do it once and then hopefully you don't have to do it again. And it could be like one day you just go out and you're like, I'm going to cover all the vents with a metal mesh in my house today. Yeah. And then you could just cross it off the list forever yeah. and you feel good that you're protecting your home and you're preparing your house for a while. Yeah. yeah. Excellent. Mm-hmm.
0: So, this toolkit is available online, which mm-hmm. I will definitely put that in the show notes and the links. And then I love this hard copy, which is really beautiful. And I'm just, I'm still old school sometimes mm-hmm. with the old book. It's mm-hmm. nice to just flip through. And mm-hmm. I think it's, this is definitely something I'll be giving to all of my clients for sure. Right. And already passing it around to as many agents as possible. If people want to get a copy of the book, um, should they contact KS
1: Wild or what's the best way? They can absolutely contact KS Wild. You can find, you, I can give you my email and you can put it in the show notes okay. and they can contact Perfect. me directly. I'm so happy that you're going to be giving it out. Like, you know, I want people to tell their neighbors about this toolkit. Mm-hmm. I will give them a whole box to give to their neighborhoods because I just really, people need to have these resources. So call me. Yeah. Maybe you'll be handing them out call KSWild. Yeah, people can call me too. Yeah, so you absolutely. Me, My have like, a box. Yeah.
0: <laughs> 326-2552. <laughs> you can absolutely. find me real easily. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And um, we'll keep a stack here in our office too okay. at Rockwell so that people can come in here if they are just driving through and want to pick one up. That's great. Um, yeah, no, I see this as an incredibly valuable resource for mm-hmm. folks. So that's great. Thank mm-hmm. you for putting it together. Yeah, of
1: course. Yeah. feels good to have everything yeah. compiled. There's so much information out there. And this is kind of like a starting point. You can really dive into all of this way more. And I have links in the toolkit that you can um, type into Google and it has a whole bunch of more information. But it's really nice to have things compiled Mm -hmm. and you can just follow step by step what to do because there is so much information on how to prepare your home for fire, which is wonderful. But it's nice to have it all in one spot. Yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> and I also love that there was a, a section in there, too, of having your go bag ready. This mm-hmm. is this, one of those things that people, I don't know, people, I say people, myself. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, I put one together. It's in my car. Have I updated it? What is in that bag? You know, mm-hmm. it's like going back through these things. Where are the important documents? So, mm-hmm. you know, the being ready if you are do need to be evacuated, thinking about what you would take. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I I was actually at somebody's house I was showing, and it was so brilliant. I loved their, they had by the front door Mm -hmm. a sheet of paper, and it was clear they had a lot of art that they really loved, but they numbered all of their pieces, which in order of like which, what to grab. Of what to grab. And it was right there on the, by the front door. So if they needed to get out, they knew between the two of them what was going to be grabbed. And they'd have it right there. So there was no, like,
1: wait, what did we say? Wow. <laughs> that, like, gives me the goosebumps saying that because that is so real. It's like you, are, you already know the art that you love. But the fact that it's, like, on a, on a panic situation that you're, like, you have, like, under five minutes to do all these things that you almost need these reminders posted around your uh-huh. house of, like, do this, do that, and then get out. Yeah. So Yeah, I was amazing. impressed. I yeah. was very impressed. <laughs>
0: yeah. It was a very well-laid-out house. It was a gorgeous yeah. home and
1: extremely organized people, yeah. which I always love when I see. You know? Yeah, that's great. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, I think another... So having a go-backpack is, like, awesome. You can do that. You know, it can take 20 minutes, just, just get it done. And I think the second part of that is signing up for emergency alert notifications because... uh uh-huh. You may not, you're, how are you going to know to evacuate and get your go bag if you're not getting these alerts? So mm-hmm. in this toolkit, depending on what county you live in, I have links um, where you can sign up for, like, oh, jo- Jackson perfect. County in cases, Josephine County. And so that's a huge step in emergency preparedness is making sure you're getting alerts.
0: Yes, that is excellent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Yay. And just in time. I mean, you know. hopefully... I'm just gonna cross. F- I know I where everyone's crossing fingers because we had so much rain this year that hopefully that helped things a bit. And mm-hmm. we've heard a little bit of spot fires here and there, but hopefully nothing. It's already we're what July
1: 14th? Like I know so we're doing, doing all right. We're doing
0: okay. August yeah. oh, yeah. is always a
1: little. You know, there's gonna be some snow yeah. in August, but hopefully,
0: yeah. Well, tragic. the thing is, it's a it's a West Coast. You mm-hmm. know, I know I hear a lot of times people. Oh, I don't want to move there, and it's like well. We're going to deal with it mm-hmm. pretty much anywhere on the West Coast at this yeah. point. There's not really an escape. so There's nowhere to hide. Not, it's either this or flooding
1: yeah. on the East Coast. Absolutely. <laughs> so, it's like which natural disaster kind of yeah. are you going to pick. Yeah. yeah.
0: So I love this area so much that I am going to stay. Yeah. And It's I, worth uh, it. It's totally worth it. You just have to prepare a little bit and
1: just, you know, yeah. I think we all have to get a little more comfortable with wildfire, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because, you know, It's the ecosystem that we live in is is fire adapted and the forest, you know, for thousands and thousands of years have just had fires running through them every so often, every 10 to seven years. I'm not sure the exact intervals, but the forest here, in order for them to be healthy and for their ecosystems to function normally, they need fire. And so, you know, when we choose to live in these areas that are fire adapted we kind of also have to become fire adapted and we mm-hmm. have to learn to just prepare and just like you know i love southern oregon so much like i'm not going anywhere either and i had to learn to become friends with fire a little bit and yeah. i still have like you know the Almeda fire is tragic and i don't think you know like i never of course we never want to see that again but we also just have to be a little more comfortable that fires are going to happen yeah obviously we don't want to see like an urban fire like that was yeah but that was intense yeah it was a lot more intense than any other yeah. experience
0: with fire yeah think, that i've had and mm-hmm. that anybody yeah, yeah. scary and, yeah hopefully that will not happen again yeah. But now we have some information to help people be prepared yeah yeah, yeah. so thank you for that i appreciate so
1: it yeah of course Well, I would also
0: love to ask you, which is on a whole different topic, (laughs) like since you've been here for a few years Mm -hmm. now and you love it here, what do you love about this area Mm -hmm. and what are some of your favorite places for listeners who might be coming in from somewhere else Mm -hmm. or thinking about moving here or people who live here that, you know, just want to either get outside more or explore more. I'm open to hearing anything, Mm -hmm. even, you know, your favorite vineyards, your favorite, Do you have any restaurants
1: or hikes or spots that you love biking or any of it? (laughs) This is a great question because I have so many favorites here. I feel like I can wake up in Southern Oregon and be like, what do I want to do today? I have so many options. I can do whatever I want, mostly because I love being outside and there's just hiking, biking. But one of my favorite hikes is the South Fork of the Rogue. So the Rogue Mm -hmm. River, it has... A couple trailheads along it. And I and I just did this trail last weekend when it was, like, it was hot last weekend. It was. And the trail, it was, like, shady. You're along this beautiful river. There's huge old-growth trees. Like, the biggest sugar pine, I think it was, like, it's... Over 500 years old, and it was maybe the biggest tree I've ever seen. And there's like a little um, plaque that talks about it, and it's really amazing. But when you're in that forest, it feels like it's 70 degrees, mm-hmm. and you know, you, you beat the heat, it's like an hour and a half from Ashland, it's amazing. South nice. of the road, so people should go and do that if you like. Where's that trail head out of? It's past Butte Falls, okay, a little bit. Um, okay. out that way, yeah, yeah you can yeah. type that into Google, and yeah, for you there. So I love that hike. And I also love biking on the Greenway. Mm-hmm. From So I live in Ashland, and I love biking on the Greenway to um, Clyde's Corner. Yes. Getting pizza, <laughs> and they have delicious cocktails, and it's just so fun. You can, like, bring your dog, or you can bike, and it's, like, such a fun scene. You can sit outside, and, like, I just love connecting my, like, recreation, outdoor hobbies with good food. Uh-huh. And I feel like <laughs> Southern Oregon, you can do that. You can go hiking, you can go biking, and then you can just go to, like, any amazing restaurant and sit and enjoy and it yeah. feel you're outside. So it's really lovely. Yeah.
0: I've done that before over at Clyde's on my bike. Yeah. yeah we rode from Medford to Ashland yes. and then on the way back stopped in there. Such a good stopping yeah. point. And the Greenway, I mean, it extends mm-hmm. quite a distance. It goes from Central Point to Ashland. So it's a really lovely, no traffic. Mm-hmm. You're just on a bike and pedestrian path Mm and it's
1: awesome it's awesome and you're along the creek so you can like stop and put your feet in the water or just kind of relax yeah it's a really lovely resource and i love biking and i love having options to to bike to my my places and not get in the (laughs) car so it's really fun yeah yeah
0: yeah
1: i'm trying to think of other places also mount ashland if anyone likes to go skiing is a lovely little small local mountain it's great like it's affordable there's not, there's like never lines. I just feel like you have the mountain to yourself a lot. It's just like a lovely place mm-hmm. to go skiing and spend some time in the winter. Yeah. So. Yeah.
0: I was just up in that area for the very first time mm. on Pilot Rock. Oh, cool. Yeah. I mean, I've been up to Mount Ashland a couple of times yeah. and hiked a little bit around, but I, yeah, Pilot Rock. Wow. Amazing. What a spectacular view from just yeah. like I scramble. I did the scramble. <laughs> I did the scramble. Oh, there it is. But, you know, it's, it's not, um, it, yeah, it's, uh, there were some parts where I was like, oh, am I stuck in this little, <laughs> 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 but it, it was fine. It was, it was really fine mm-hmm. and just it completely worth the view at the top. Oh. I mean, I just have not, I don't think I've been, even from Table Rock,
1: mm-hmm. I don't
0: think it was as spectacular of a view as up there at sunset even. You did a sunset hike. That's so, amazing.
1: Yeah. Everyone should do that. Yeah. Everyone. And it's
0: it's not that long of a hike. Oh no, it's, it's 3 3.2 miles is what we figured out yeah. round trip. Easy so crazy. that's not that yeah. yeah. It's you know, uphill, there's a little yeah. switchback at the end and whatever, mm-hmm. but it's short. And yeah. So you just go slow and just yeah.
1: And then if your feet- pace the view of Shasta is like, you feel like oh, you're almost on you're it. You're almost looking <laughs> down on it is I what know. it feels like. Yeah. yeah. And that's then amazing. just seeing
0: every range all mm-hmm. around you. I mean, we were looking all the way. Yeah, it was just mind-blowing yeah. how far. It was beautiful. That's so, why I love Southern Oregon. I know. It's so it's beautiful. That. <laughs> and, then, and then four days later, I'm on the Applegate River kayak. Exactly. So if you like the outdoors, it's, yeah, there's mm-hmm. just
1: no shortage of amazingness. So. I think that's why I'm sticking around. Yeah. I think that recreation here is just unbelievable.
0: Excellent. Well, we're happy to have you and very happy that you're doing this work. So, thank you so much. Yes, thank you. It was good to be here. Wonderful. All right, folks. Well, I am definitely going to be putting this information in our show notes as I said, feel free to call me, come by the Rockwell real estate office. If you want to pick up a copy, we'll have them here. You can reach out to KS wild. I'm definitely giving this to all my clients because I think this is super important and yeah, uh, we'll get all that info on the show notes and until next week, you all have a good one. Yay. Thank you. Thanks. This podcast is produced by Simona Fino and co-produced by James Dedakis and Jaded Media. Original music by Samuel Lawrence.